The Near Futurist, a podcast with Guy Clapperton. Hello, and thanks for downloading The Near Futurist, a show presented by me, Guy Clapperton. In this episode, we're going to look at internet searching and how we handle data. When we Google for something, are we getting it wrong from the off? My guest thinks we might be. First, as usual, a little bit about who you're listening to. I'm Guy Clapperton, a technology journalist with 30 years experience. You might have heard me or seen me on the BBC occasionally, read some of my books perhaps, or seen me in The Guardian, Intelligence Sourcing Magazine and elsewhere. I go to a lot of conferences and I hear experts talking about their forecasts about the decades to come. I'd rather use my 30 years experience as a commentator to discuss what's likely to happen later this year, early next, and the action we need to take now. So I came up with a Near Futurist name. Do have a look at my website at nearfuturist.co.uk where you'll find more episodes and information on what we're about. If you'd like to book me as a speaker or MC for your technology event, do have a look at the show reel on the site and drop me a line, guy at nearfuturist.co.uk, that's nearfuturist as one word, or get in touch with my agent, whose details are of course on the site. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please do consider leaving a review on the iTunes store or wherever you download from. If you're new to the show, finally, you're very welcome. That's more than enough about me. My guest today is with us down the line because he believes we're getting searches all wrong. This is because data is set up in relational tables and relational search is hard. That in turn is due to the many different ways data tables are set up and the relations between them, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. Now, ThoughtSpot, a Silicon Valley tech company with customers including BT, RBS, Daimler, and 7-Eleven, has already launched the first relational data search engine. And to speak about the issues involved, I'm talking to the company's CEO, Sudish Nair. Sudish, welcome. Thank you, Guy. Thanks for having me here. You're very welcome. Okay, let's pretend I cut and pasted that introduction from what I was sent, as if I do such a thing. And I'm actually a little bit baffled by it. I Google for stuff, I find it. What's the problem that you're perceiving? Well, that's just it. Google is fantastic for what it does. See, the world is divided into two kinds of information. Take this podcast, for example. We are going to have a conversation, and this is going to be posted. And let's say there is also a transcript that exists in the internet. Uh, This is the substance and the stuff, the content that Google is really good at. The world, you know, technology, we call it the unstructured data. Uh, Mm -hmm. The conversation, the structure, the emails, the blogs, the novels, articles, everything that is written out there. But let's say you, as an entrepreneur, tech journalist and an entrepreneur, you're also interested in figuring out how is this podcast going to do? For example, how many people listen to it? How many people understood most of the conversation that we are having? At what point of the conversation they tuned in, tuned out? What did they like? What did they not like? I'm sure as a businessman, you're interested in all this information, right? Oh, definitely, yes. That information uh, comes from what we call structured data. This is it's not the most uh, talked about data, but the, the kinds of numbers and the analytics that is required to make all these things come together, they go into databases and data warehouse, data mart, data lakes. These are complex tables where... Uh, numbers and data sits in itself. And without understanding the relationship between those data, uh, it will look just like numbers. Google is not set up to search and retrieve the kind of data about unstructured data that's live out there. And that's where we believe ThoughtSpot has found 
an opening. So if you use the podcast as an example, I do get analytics, I do get data on not necessarily to the depth that you were just discussing, but in terms of listeners and where they come from, perhaps, and where they, which links they picked up on. I do get that from my hosting company. Have they plugged in something like your database? Exactly. So what you are getting is mostly from software called business intelligence software. Mm -hmm. And this is sort, sort of the precursor to what we are doing. Since very early days, customers like you would be asking for analytics and they will give you that analytics in a form of a dashboard or a report, right? Mm -hmm. The gap that we found is that you as the creator have questions. For example, what area of the event did resonate well with my audience? What could I have done differently? And even questions like, what if I were to do this? What if I were to change the format of the introduction? Will I get more interest or less interest? What we found is, while the dashboards and reports that you get are interesting, what is more interesting is what Google did for unstructured data. Let me use a different example. So sure. I'm assuming you travel a lot. You said you attend a lot of conferences, right? Yes. What's your uh, most favorite city to travel and dine? Well, I'm a diehard Londoner, I suppose, but I'm also very fond of Paris. I like New York, uh, you know, the cliche ones, the ones everybody knows. All right. So let's say you go to uh, Rome, a city that let's say you don't know really well. Yeah. Okay. And let's rewind like 20 years ago and you're staying in a hotel and you know, Rome has amazing number of restaurants and you don't know which restaurant to have a meal and you're by yourself. So you go to the concierge at the hotel and ask her, uh, where should I eat? Uh, that sounds fair, right? Yes. And she's going to tell you, uh, you know, Mr. Guy, here is where you should go. And uh, you go there. And that is sort of like the dashboard example you talked about. You know, your hosting company sends you a dashboard and you kind of get an idea, okay, last week versus this week, my podcast did. Yeah. But today, if you are in Rome, uh, you probably won't talk to that concierge. What you will do is you pick up the phone. And it's not like you're going to ask one question and then you get an answer and then you have that meal. Chances are you will start with a broad topic like restaurants and then you search that in Google and then you say, I'm in the mood for uh, sushi. Uh, since you are in Rome, why not, right? Yes. And then you will uh, look at all sushi restaurants and then filter them by ratings, reviews, directions, proximity, traffic photos maybe, you ask probably 10 questions before you find your way to the restaurant that you liked and have that meal. The difference between the first example and the second example is that the second example, your entire experience is controlled and customized and bespoke built for you. If I leave another traveler in front of that hotel, chances are he or she may not end up at the same restaurant because she may have different requirements, unlike the previous example where the concierge may have sent both of you to that same restaurant. In the second example, you as a person with questions have no barrier, no curiosity tax to ask as many questions as you want and end up with an outcome that is precisely customized for you. That is what we want for the world of enterprise data. That's what we want for customers looking for analytics as well. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It's a very much a tailored approach, I suppose, in this 
in a way that if we stick with the restaurant example, I could be looking for a restaurant. I could go to TripAdvisor, which is what I very frequently do. What I don't know is whether I share the same tastes in common with the uh, other people who have reviewed a restaurant. So perhaps uh, we're talking about you know, in-depth tailoring and actually taking that sort of data into account. So I mean, is this something that's likely to affect us in our daily lives or is it purely a business to business issue that you're talking about here? It actually does affect us on both sides, both in business and daily life. Let me give you an example on both cases, right? So let's go back to your uh, podcast itself. I'm keeping it simple so that everyone can understand this example. It's much more complex than what of course, that yeah. But let's say in this case of podcast, you do get your analytics and chances are, let's say, this thought spot conversation is the most listened to of all the podcasts that we have on your website. All right. Now that actually gives you some idea and your uh, weekly dashboard report that you get from your hosting company shows that. Yeah. What is really interesting is to find out, you may have now 10 questions based on that. Did they listen to the whole thing? Which topic did they listen? Which one did they not like? Which one did they agree? What can I learn from it? How do I do this differently so that I can continue to attract new audience and hold their interest? And how can I provide more information that they're looking for? That is not something your hosting company knows. So what happened in this example, just like your restaurant example, in the old case, concierge had answers, you had questions. In your blog, you have all the domain knowledge about how to run and deliver good content on the podcast, but the hosting company had the answers. What Google did in the previous example is two things, are two things essentially. Number one, the person with questions now can get the answers without going through someone else, which means you're not asking one question and getting another answer. You're get, asking a question, getting an answer, and based on the answer, you modify your question and then it becomes interactive. Similarly, in the second example with your hosting company, how great would it be that instead of you getting a static dashboard or analytics uh, report, you get to ask questions and immediately get answers. And then based on those answers, you can keep asking questions and even do what if modeling, predictive analytics, and everything about that, that brings you to a better outcome where your podcast gets better and better. That is a gap that exists, whether you're a retailer or a transportation company, manufacturing company, pharmaceutical company, uh, every single thing that these businesses do, they wish that there is not a gap or a delay between the business user, a marketing person, a salesperson, a customer support person, a CIO, a CEO, and the people with data knowledge, data language, people who can speak to databases, and the, the BI team. At ThoughtSpot, we are trying to close the gap because we believe by closing that, we can deliver better outcomes for their businesses and their customers. Okay, the other thing that happens an awful lot when you search for things on Google or when you just get things delivered to you straight to your phone, to your tablet, to your uh, PC, is an awful lot of the stuff that comes to you can be junk from, and it can be completely untrue. I'm thinking about social media. Uh, I'm also thinking about this fabulous phrase, fake news, which as far as I can make out can also mean just something that a reader doesn't like, depending on who the reader actually is. Is this approach uh, to search going to be a way of cutting through all the falsehood out there? Am I barking completely up the wrong tree here? No, no, you're not. Actually, that is where we believe the the consumer side of ThoughtSpot could come to. So to be fully transparent, today we are focused on enterprise business 
and delivering you know, simple natural language conversation question interface for complex data that's hiding behind databases and data warehouses. But we've found that, you know, we've already learned that for a company to become iconic, a company to become lasting, you can't just have a technical vision, but you also have to have a purpose that's bigger than the vision. And for example, Google, even though it's an advertising company, their purpose is to deliver what they call organizing world's information, which is a never-ending purpose. At ThoughtSpot, we are a young company. We have a long way to go. However, we also believe that there is a much larger purpose, which is make the world a bit more fact-driven. You mentioned fake news. That's a phrase that I really hate because if it is fake, it's not news. And if it is news, it's not fake. Yes, true. It's, but what happened is that I think social media and the power of which is somewhat misunderstood. I'll give you an example. This is, I mean, in UK, this might come across as a joke, but it's a real thing that we are dealing with here in US that is vaccinations. Have you heard about this, the, the, the scandal around vaccinations? Yes, indeed, very much so. We had an awful lot of people uh, not uh, using the MMR vaccination for quite some time because uh, there was this report that it was linked to autism. So yeah, we're quite, it's been an issue here too. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so that is an interesting thing. Like, I mean, you could take, make an argument that this makes no sense, but let's say you are a young mother born in a remote village or somewhere and grew up somewhere, or you are an urban dweller in London or in New York, it doesn't matter. You're a young mother, you just had a baby, and someone that you like and respect and bought into your quote-unquote network forwards you an official-looking chart that shows the incidence of autism increasing along with the chart that correlates the number of vaccinations. It's very difficult to blame her for uh, you know, considering uh, whether the vaccinations cause autism. Because what happened here is that a person with an agenda could use the data from NHS or uh, CDC or FDA and make a chart that looks to make a case which affirms what he or she wants the world to know. Now, this was the case, you know, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, if you were to walk around New York City or London, you may have found someone standing on a street corner on a soapbox saying something that is absolutely ludicrous. However, there's only like 20 people who are walking by who pay attention to it. Today, essentially, that virtual soapbox has unlimited audiences, right? I could put it on YouTube. I could put it on WhatsApp. I can put it on Facebook, Twitter, and that same agenda-driven, uh, maybe nonsensical information is now propagated anywhere in the world within a matter of minutes or days. Millions, if not hundreds of millions of people could have access to it. So there has to be something different. We have to do something different to make sure that we as a species uh, get out of this mess that we created for ourselves. I do think uh, ThoughtSpot's approach has a solution here. I understand what you're saying there, and I take the point about the uh, false information being out there. Isn't the real issue, or one of the real issues, and the major difficulty that uh, we're going to face in the, uh, whether it's restaurant reviews, whether it's vital stuff like uh, vaccines, whether it's politics, that there's an awful lot of confirmation bias out there, and that people will actually start to go out and look for things, consciously or otherwise, that actually confirm what they already think. Because that young woman with the vaccine issue 
if she already believes that the vaccines are going to be a, be a problem, she might well go out and start looking for something else to see if she can back the view up. But she's already preconditioned to dismiss the stuff that says they're harmless and to actually follow the stuff that says what she believes. With. We've seen this an awful lot in the UK with Brexit, and I know that uh, you've got the whole Trump thing going on in the US. Yeah, yeah. So, you're so how do you actually right. help people ask the right questions? You know, it's, it's very difficult because the question may well be loaded. It almost starts off with asking, why am I right? Yeah, yeah. So you're absolutely right. The confirmation bias is a, is a real thing. But let me use that examples to uh, explain how ThoughtSpot's approach could be different. And so, for example, everything about vaccination uh, and the incidence of autism, let's assume that it has been captured and entered into a database that is sitting inside a, a National Institute of Health where they have it ready for public consumption. However, it is sitting in databases that are not really searchable for any layperson because it, it's in the database, which means that people with SQL knowledge and others are there. So what's happening here is that people with the data knowledge could query using SQL and Python and other languages to retrieve information from these complex databases and then write a blog post, which could be consumed by that young mother. What's happening here is that the delta, the gap, the chasm that exists between the person with questions and the person with answers uh, is the gap through which people with agenda are driving a truck. So what happens is if you don't have access to real facts, which are usually hiding in boring numbers, opinions become facts. And that's a dangerous thing because what happens is when opinions become facts, I can shape those facts to look to serve any agenda I may have. For example, I could create a chart that shows without any context the number of incidents of autism that's, that's increased. Maybe it has nothing to do with autism, but the fact that number of people in the world have been increasing. Now, without showing a scale for that, I can also show a number of people taking vaccinations in a specific city. Right? When I put those two things together, it's absolutely correlated. Without the scale, without the context, without the structure around it, I could now use the numbers to make my opinions really look like a fact and influence a lot of people. And that becomes you know, easy. And when you combine that with the confirmation bias that you talked about, also confirmation bias has another thing, which is the network effect, which is another thing social media accelerate. If you... Guy Clapperton, as someone that I don't know, were to write a blog, I read that. Versus, let's say, I read that blog and forward it to a friend of mine. Now what happens is my friend is getting Guy Clapperton, someone who I don't know, but officially have done some work, but is endorsed by Sudish that I like and respect. All of a sudden, the, my friend is going to consume that information in a completely different way as opposed to reading through uh, Times or uh, London newspaper where it is somewhat abstract. So social media plus people with opinions who are trying to sort of use that social media as a platform, all of that requires that we cut through all of these complexities of where the data is stored and then deliver direct access for everyone who seeks access to the right information, relevant information. What if you could just ask, uh, show me how many people are vaccinated in the last month in my neighborhood. 
show me how many of them have had autism. Compare that with 1890. Uh, has there been an absolute increasing in percentage? If this mother could ask these 10 questions and she knows that the data is coming from a trusted resource where it's just basic raw data, not massage, not fabricated by anyone in between, we believe there is going to be a, a positive effect in society as a whole. If we do change the way we uh, search that, there's two things. First of all, I'll ask the, the fact that uh, search is changing anyway, because I know there's been a lot of controversy about them, whether they're listening to us all the time, things like that. But people are increasingly, they've got smart devices in their home, which work by voice, say, like an Amazon Alexa, Google Home, or whatever else they might have. That actually changes the nature of search because uh, it gives me one answer rather than a whole selection. If I say, what's the best sushi restaurant in the area, it'll give me a single answer. That really changes the way these things are, things are going. So you, it seems to me that you may be addressing a problem that exists with the current version of search when search is starting to move on, taking voice and all sorts of things into account as well. You are absolutely right. See, that is the reason why a search for structured data didn't exist before. We ThoughtSpot invented something called relational search, and it is very complex for three reasons. Number one, in the world of unstructured, in the world of Google, if you were to search for sushi restaurants, it can show you a hundred restaurants around you. And in fact, Google will show you maybe thousands of them. And it could also start showing you recipes for sushi, how to make sushi, videos around it. In all in all, that one single search probably could produce a billion results. And that's how it should be. That's how it works, right? And then what Google does really well is rank it in a way that chances are the first or second answer is the right answer. In the world of uh, data, when it comes to numbers, when you try to do Google for numbers, you can't show 1,000. For example, if you say how, what percentage of people had vaccination last year, it can't be 10 answers. It can't be two answers. It has to be precise. So number one, it has to be precise. Number two. In the world of existing Google, unstructured data, it is simply pointing to stuff that other people have created. Hmm. This podcast is your labor of love. And Google is simply going to index it and point other people to it. But in the world of numbers, answers may not exist until it is computed. For example, if you ask how many people listen to this, it might sit in somewhere. But if you ask how many people who listen to it also listen to a different conversation topic that you, that probably have to be computed, the percentage of people. So the answers in the world of numbers almost always require computational dynamics. Number three, numbers you know, need to be visualized, right? Because most people can't consume numbers in raw Excel sheet all the time. For people to understand numbers better, it is easier when you can visualize it. What ThoughtSpot struggled with in the early days is that the expectation of search is already set by Google. That is, if I ask a question within a couple of seconds, I should get answers. So now you have to do all those three things. That is, it has to be precise. It has to be visualized. It has to be computed just in time. But you have to do all of that within a couple of seconds when there are complex data, where the data might have to be fetched from multiple data sources and then computed with just in time. So it's a very complex computational challenge. And that's why, you know, most of our early engineers and architects came from companies like Google and Facebook, where they have tackled complex challenges at scale. But yes, the difference between what Google does and what ThoughtSpot does 
uh, is different, uh, is, is around these areas. Sorry to keep banging on about Google. I'm sure it's a name you're fed up with hearing if you're in the search engine market, but it is obviously very, very important. It Realistically, Google's had the search market sewn up for, it must be going on for 20 years by now. I'm just wondering, you know, are you really going to change the way things happen? How do you intend to do this? Will you be working with the search engine giants? Thinking about Microsoft as well, or are you approaching it in a different way? I accept what you've said about the problem that needs to be addressed, but how can a company that's not got the market clout of Google really address it? Yeah, no, I don't think uh, Google is or Google or Microsoft, for example, obviously are going to continue to deliver more value in unstructured data world. Google search, for example, probably have improved 500,000, 10,000 times since its innovation or invention. However, we don't pay attention to it because it's always been that single, simple looking search bar. Just that the answers got better and better as you are progressing, right? Mm -hmm. Now, they are also data companies. You know, they cloud companies, Amazon, Azure, Google, they also host a lot of enterprise data. So for example, if you're a hospital, your uh, information around your uh, patients, uh, if you're a manufacturing company or vendor information, your customer information, these things are not public data. These things are private data. Sure. And that's sitting in their premises or in their instances of the cloud. What ThoughtSpot also does is bring a searchable interface through natural language to data that's owned by the enterprise. So that's the first thing we do. ThoughtSpot does only basically two things. Number one is use natural language interface to search complex data that is sitting in databases owned by, and and by that means it's not searchable by the public uh, unstructured data search uh, companies like Google or Microsoft. Sure. The second thing that ThoughtSpot does is we use AI to ask a question that you should have asked, but you didn't. And that's very interesting because with that, we are able to guide you. So you asked me about autism. You might be also interested in five other things which will drive you in the right direction. That's very interesting stuff. Do you see this as primarily enterprise or I mean, is it going to come to the consumer at all? I'm just wondering what the material changes are going to be in place for businesses and individuals. Yeah, I think our initial focus is on enterprise. And we want to make sure that we become a company that earns the right to compete in the consumer world. Uh, it's not a given Sure. that you can just get into the uh, consumer world. However, we do see the need already exist, whether it's climate science, immigration, or vaccination that we discussed. Mm-hmm. These are complex conversations where an opinion is just not enough. You need actual data consumable for ev- by everyone in fashion that is understandable by everyone. And that requires an architecture like ThoughtSpot and relational search and artificial intelligence to get better and better. The world is generating way too much data for a human being to directly consume it. So we believe that a machine learning and AI layer in between is an absolute necessary. So inside the company, we talk about our purpose is to democratize insight to data for the world so that the world becomes a bit more factorable. And our goal is to turn thoughtspot.com itself into a search for structured data 
I'm not saying we are going to compete with uh, Microsoft or Google. Uh, they are our partners and will continue to. But in the world of structured data, uh, we want to be inspired by what Google did for unstructured data and then deliver similar capabilities with natural language and AI. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, my usual last question is uh, where do, can people find out more about what you do? But you have just mentioned thoughtspot.com, so I suspect you've answered that already. Yeah, thoughtspot.com is a good place. Also, uh, you know, people don't have sometimes patience or time to read. I also will point them to YouTube channels. So if you go to YouTube and search for Thoughtspot, you'll see uh, two-minute videos that makes it easy for them to make it easy for them to understand. Sudesh Nair from ThoughtSpot, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Guy. Really appreciate it. And many thanks to you for listening. That was the Near Futurist podcast with me, Guy Clapperton. I'll be back in two weeks' time as always. Don't forget to have a look at the website at nearfuturist.co.uk. Maybe leave a review somewhere and see you in a fortnight.